Hi everyone, welcome to part two of the Dillingham House. Um, as I promised, I told you there was a lot more written about the Dillingham House, but this report came, it's taken, this story is taken directly from Haunted Cape Cod and the Islands by Mark Jasper. His book, which he published in 2002, was published by On Cape Publications. Um, <clears throat> the Dillinghams, for whom the house is named, are noted as being one of the earliest European settlers on Cape Cod. Edward Dillingham was born in 1595 and died in 1667. He was one of the famous ten men from Saugus who founded the village of Sandwich in 1637. A former Sandwich historian, Mr. George E. Burbank, believed the house was built in 1650. But Historian Russell Lovell disagrees, believing the home was built in the Sagamore area by Simon Dillingham, great-grandson to Edward in 1726, at the time of his marriage to Elizabeth Bourne. It is thought that Simon's grandson, Branch Dillingham, moved the house to its present location on Route 130, in Sandwich, and raised it to a two-story dwelling around 1800. It has been noted that when Branch's first wife died, he remarried and had nine children. Branch Dillingham committed suicide in 1813. Um, one report also said that he only had eight children. The house was occupied by members of the Dillingham family until 1926 when it was purchased by Mr. Harding Scholl and his wife, who used it as a summer home in 1938. <clears throat> the house was then sold to a Hannah B. Westcott, who rented it to various people, including one tenant, who operated it as a tavern and roadhouse during the late 1930s and early 40s. The house began to be referred to sarcastically by local residents as the Ritz, as the property gained a somewhat seedy reputation. Fistfights were not an uncommon occurrence. The Dillingham House probably has one of the most haunted reputations on Cape Cod. Speculation about who those ghosts are have risen, but no one knows for certain. Some say it may be the ghost of Branch Dillingham, who committed suicide by drowning. Oh, there's a... I'll fix that one. Hold on. Others insist the spirits of those of Branch's nine children who were orphaned after Branch and his second wife died shortly after his death. <clears throat> the children were believed to have been left alone for long periods of time. Some have even claimed that if you knock on the walls at the Dillingham house, the children will sometimes 
knocked back. <coughs> Excuse me. Ghostly apparitions have been known to appear here from time to time. One woman, while in one of the upstairs bedrooms, caught a glimpse of a stern-looking man dressed in Victorian attire. The woman's sister claims that when she awoke one morning, she found herself staring in disbelief at a little girl who was sitting on the end of her bed. In the 1970s, the house remained vacant. At various times during this period, local residents and neighbors reported seeing strange lights moving throughout the house. The police log verified that many years around Halloween, the alarm in the house would sound for no apparent reason. During a routine check, one police officer reported seeing a rocking chair through the windows, gently rocking by itself. <clears throat> Having heard the rumors of D Dillingham House, um, <clears throat> excuse me, let me redo that sentence. Having heard the rumors of Dillingham House hauntings some years ago, I tried with great persistence to interview one of the previous owners, but was absolutely stonewalled. Fortunately for me, when Ryan Griffin became the new owner, and she isn't any longer, <clears throat> she was willing to speak candidly. When Ryan first purchased the house, a friend dropped by for a visit with her little dog, a beagle. As they relaxed at the kitchen table sipping wine, her friend's beagle began to investigate the house. When the dog found her way to the back staircase, she looked up the side she looked up the stairs and immediately began shaking and whimpering while backing away. This was the first sign of a ghostly energy that Ryan took note of. During renovations, strong cooking odors began emanating from the living room where the original hearth and beehive oven were located. Ryan said the odors were gamey, like meat being fried, and other odors seemed to come from one of the guest rooms. It was formerly a bar room back in the 1930s, but just outside the door, her husband, Gru, was overcome by a strong blast of what he described as alcohol breath. <clears throat> Some of her recent guests... Hang on, I just lost my place. Some of her recent guests have heard eerie footsteps when no living person was around. And one guest, upon coming down for breakfast one morning, told Ryan that children, the children kept seeping strangely into her dreams at night. With all of these spirits looking about, you might expect this sort of thing to unsettle an innkeeper who is new to the business. But Ryan isn't bothered a bit. She says the house flows with positive energy and she is always comfortable, even when it is otherwise empty. After all, you're never really alone in the Dillingham house. <clears throat> um, in the next podcast, or maybe I'll go on with this one, 
I've included the following written report that was received or recovered in the Sandwich Archives. It was written by a Sandwich police officer, James Foley, in 1797. And I'm going to stop here for now. And um, <clears throat> we'll go on with the second part. Hi everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is Dillingham House. I call it Part 3 because we've already had two parts before it. And it's called the White Paper Report. It was written by a police officer named James Foley in 1797. Um, <clears throat> they found this report in the Sandwich uh, Archives. Dude, a quote, here we go. Due to the increase of suspicious things that have been happening at the Dillingham House on Main Street, this white paper report has been done for those of you that do not know it. But this particular house is presently lived in, but is usually vacant by the owners during the week. It has been reported that a particular spirit inhabits the place. It is hoped that this white paper report will put these suspicions to rest. The following is a list of the things that will help dispel these rumors. First of all, the house has a perimeter alarm and a motion detector alarm installed by associated alarms. As of late, this motion detector has been activated by unknown factors in the house. The perimeter alarm has remained intact. On one occasion, the motion detector was turned off and it still rang. Mysterious lights have been reported in the upstairs bedrooms described as flashlights. Upon arrival of the cruisers, the house was in total darkness. The alarm company has readjusted the alarm to the minimum, and, it's, and still, something inside the house has activated it. Within the last couple of days, the alarm company and one of the officers, after unlocking the back door, couldn't open it for a few minutes. A little later, when they tried it again, it opened with little effort. Last night, one of the officers found the back door unlocked and the alarm did not activate. This officer turned on the kitchen light and tried to turn on the lights in the rest of the house, but failed. When he exited the house to get his flashlight, he returned to find that someone or something had turned the kitchen light off and turned the one in the living room on. Since this is the last reported case of mysterious happenings, we feel that there is no truth to the rumor that the house is haunted. Some of the things can be explained, but as of this writing, we have not been able to find anyone to explain them. It has been noted that over the years there has been increased activity in the house 
during the month of October, particularly when it gets close to All Souls Day, which is the 1st of November, but we commonly call this Halloween. It is highly recommended that any officer entering this house act according to his or her feelings. In other words, if you feel like running, please do. Screaming will also be allowed. It is requested, however, that upon exiting the house, you will at least slow down long enough to open the door and not go through it. Of course, to cover all bases, the following report will f- a follow-up report will follow this report with instructions as to what to do if you indeed encounter a spirit, spook, ghost, or whatever. Sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, there you have it. Um, what they say uh, is, you know, for now, rest easy. So that was the police report. It certainly doesn't throw any light on the fact that the place is not, according to them, not uh, haunted. But uh, I have, guess we have to leave that up to you and your own individual ideas. So anyhow... That's the end of the Dillingham house for now. If I come up with anything new, I'll share it with you. But for now, that's the that's what we'll end with it right here. But thanks for listening. And this podcast and all of our podcasts are created and produced on anchor.fm the easiest way to make a podcast, and trust me, it is. The podcast is hosted by capecodwriters.net and can be found on their website, www.capecodwriters.net. You may also find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for haunting with us. Stay tuned.